another top issue, the border. I'll send Kamala to the border. I've got my spot. I'm not doing it up. Biden, Biden's for an open border. Just tear down everything. Let everybody come. No restrictions. I've been clear from the very beginning. The system is broken. Although it's not as broken as this stupid chair thing. Lose arguments to this thing. And I'm ready to act. I think, oh, God willing, and the crick not rising, as my grandpa would say. You know, I think next week we ought to be able to work out something. Yeah, that's it. Next week, that sounds good. Well, maybe next month. But that sounds bright today. I'm ready to solve the problem. I really am. Oh, boy. What did Jill tell me the security code for the White House phone was? Zero, 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 zero. I really am. Joe will take care of the calls. Don't you worry about it. But I'm the president. I know, Joey. And I'm so proud of you. It's been such a big day. Tell you what, let's go back and have some ice cream. Can I have the mint chocolate chip? Massive changes. And I mean it sincerely. You know, I feel like I'm forgetting something. I was going to work on something today. What was that? Oh, well. And, and now, now from, from Times Square, Square exactly. somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps, Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media, is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough, and that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from his votes for Damas. Of course, that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. And tonight, Decision 24 with Mark Davis. Making oil great again, it's Ed Kavalik and Alex Epstein. Gloria Garces just returned from Israel. Sketch comedy from Real Adam Rose and High Res the Rapper, and Tyrion in the Spotlight. And now, from Times Square, where the politicians and the pizza rats are placing bets on who's wasting their time the most between Joe Biden and Nikki Haley. Like, do you like the nice ooh, coffee's good? Do you like the beautiful white coffee mug with the black logo? That Kevin show? The official mug that I drink the coffee out of. And uh, we're going to give one of these away tonight. Uh, you have until 1040 Eastern Time to send me an email, thatkevinshow at gmail.com. And uh, enter your name for your chance to win. And here's what we're going to do the rest of this year. We're going to give up. We're going to mug you every week. We're going to mug you. We're not going to hit you with anything. That's what they do in New York. That's what we do. But we're not going to do that. We're going to give you the mugging. The mug. You're going to get the mug. Uh, we're going to draw a winner every week. Next, I don't know, 40 weeks left in the year. Something like that. Give one mug away each week. But you got to register 
to win. The way you register is you send an email to thatkevinshow at gmail.com and say, I would like to play for the mug. Uh, and we've, we've got a winner for tonight. Uh, we will have a winner in the 1040 uh, segment. Second hour, almost to the end of the show, just before the uh, new music spotlight. So look forward to having you there. Yes, welcome to the weekend. Oh, man, what a, what a news weekend. You, you, have the, you have the court case with uh, Trump going so well in Georgia for the former president. You could not write a better script. That district attorney, attorney general, whatever she is, Fannie Willis, man, did she flame out. It is so bad. How bad is it? It's so bad that you see actual really good lawyers on TV with the expression on their face of, and you, you don't you don't often get people that on TV like they they lose they're they're so mystified at her behavior that they they can't even control their facial expressions. It's just, and that's how bad it was for Fannie Willis, and that's how good it's going to be for Donald Trump because I'm not a lawyer, but I talked to a bunch of them on TV, and I think that what's going to happen there is that she's going to get taken off that case. It's going to get assigned to someone else, someone else that doesn't go to the White House and coordinate all the <laughs> behind the scenes. And when somebody else actually looks at the facts of the case, they're going to say, oh, what? Get this out of here. What's this doing here? So that's, that's and you, you know what you might want to do to celebrate that when that happens? You might want a nice mug, a nice That Kevin Show mug. You can put all kinds of adult beverages in here. You can put your Diet Coke in here. You can put your coffee in here. I like the coffee. Anyway, isn't that beautiful? I'm going to say thank you to Eric Hastings. He designed all that for me. What a, what a, what a chum. What a guy. All right. So, uh, you know why else it was a very strange news week? Because then the other trial came to its crashing conclusion. And um, Judge Ergonon, Ergonon, Egghead, but I, I don't whatever his name is, uh, the guy that looks like the guy from the Mad Magazine, that guy. You know, he, he looks like one of two people. He looks like what Alfred E. Newman would have turned into when he got old, or he reminds you of that one uncle that everybody in the family told you not to go anywhere near when you were, you know, under age five. Just stay away from Uncle, uncle Ergonon. Just stay away from him. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, he seemed to have a party, didn't he? Every day that they had that trial going on in New York, he was smiling at the camera. Uh, $350 million that the president is being ordered to pay for making loans good. I don't know how that worked. Um, anyway, uh, and then he can't do business in the state of New York for three years. Anybody think this is an overreach? <laughs> Anybody think this is going to get overturned? At the first sign of an actual courtroom with a real judge in it. It's kind of my take on it. Anyway, um, I, but I got to go back to the what David said in the slug tonight. The, 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 the less efficient, the, the cold open had the president barking at the country this last week. I want, I want the border closed. Okay. <laughs> then undo all the executive action that you did to open it. It's, it's not done. What are you, a dum-dum? It doesn't take much to figure out if you did all the things that made it this way, you can undo those things and plug it back up again. 
but no, he's, you know, he's got to lay on the beach and contemplate life. But he wants, he wants Congress to close that border, except that he's the one that did it with the executive actions. But who's wasting more time, him or Nikki Haley? Who Did you see this? She campaigned in Texas this week. Texas is during Super Tuesday. She's not going to be in the race on Super Tuesday. And if she is, she's not going to have any gas because she's about to get throttled in South Carolina, which is where this guy was. This was the overflow for his crowd at the uh, speech that he gave in Conway, South Carolina. This was just the overflow. This is the outside of the building. And he has 250,000 people there or something. It was crazy. She goes to Texas and look at this. 1,250 people, which might actually be a good-sized crowd for Nikki because I think that might be the amount of all of her South Carolina appearances thus far put, put in one room. She, she got 1,250 people out for the, for, for, the, for the text, but she's not even, Texas isn't even voting, and you'd think she'd be fighting for her life in the state where she thinks she has a chance. Here's the secret, though. She doesn't. It's, it's a little, little known secret. Um, she she has no chance. It's so over. He's when when the when the race started after New Hampshire, she was twenty six points behind him. Now she's nearly forty six points behind him, and she's been campaigning every day. Now you lose twenty points in the polls, and you're doing you're doing the best you can, and you were the governor of the state, and you what are you doing? Biden's barking at Congress saying fix the border when he messed it up. And Nikki Haley's campaigning like she's going to be president. But she's not winning anything anywhere and she's drawing no people. And meanwhile, uh, they're using lawfare to take down the former president, trying to keep him from becoming president again. Isn't it an interesting weekend? All right. That Kevin show at gmail.com. In the second hour tonight, your chance to win the beautiful... Well, we also have the black mug with the white logo. You can win that one, too. I just... I like this one. This is the one I I love. I'm so glad you're here. We got a big show for you. Stick around. It's That Kevin Show. a few classified documents between friends. I told you, I told you all the time. I knew it. I knew he had some too. Here he is. That Kevin. Kevin McCullough. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is no stranger to those of you who have caught us on the Salem News Channel, but for those of you listening on some 300 plus radio stations, you may or may not hear the voice of my next guest on a regular basis. He fills in for some of the people heard on many of those stations during the week. But he's also a legend, uh, not in his own mind, in his own town of uh, the great DFW uh, Metroplex. And you have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to call it that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome Mr. Mark Davis. Hello, Mark. 
Mark. Kevin. Thank you. Thank you very much for that kind intro. Appreciate you're, it. You're very welcome. Um, so I don't know if I ever made mention of, of this to you. Uh, in fact, I think outside of just a couple of SNC things, this is the first time we've ever kind of really interacted. Um, uh, and, and I'm excited to have you on the show. But there was a, a fellow who used to produce radio for me years ago by the name of Gary Villipiano. And he was a WABC guy back when you were working at the other station uh, there in Texas and sometimes doing network stuff. And I'm just curious if you have memories of the V-Man because he used to sing your praises long before I ever had the chance to meet you. I appreciate it enormously. And I think the best I ever heard of that was secondhand because I certainly know the name, but I don't know that we have ever uh, met. met. It's, okay. it's an odd and incestuous world, as you know, because uh, I was at WBAP for 18 years, been here in Salem World for 12, put those together. And coming up in March, I'll have 30, 30 years here in the Metroplex. And you and barely look old enough to be that old. I know. How is that? I started when I was 10. How in the world is that is that possible? Radio keeps you young if it doesn't kill you. And so from the ABC people and consultants, and it was just a crazy corporate world of people, and corporate radio gets a bad rap, and sometimes it deserves it, but it depends on what the corporation is and who the people are, and I've had a real great lucky run of being in the company of, under the tutelage of, under the guidance of, and being the property of some pretty smart people, so I'm very well, blessed. It's very interesting uh, to hear that that side of the story, because I think this was back in the day when... ABC was trying to figure out who was going to fill in for Rush and kind of maybe get that time slot and so forth. And from the ABC network offices in New York, uh, the V-Man, as I uh, oft referred to him, uh, was a, a Mark Davis advocate. And he thought that you deserved the shot that they ended up giving to Hannity because he thought you were just a better radio guy altogether. And I want to talk to you about this because I had... Gallagher on the show, probably in the third or fourth week of us doing the That Kevin Show on the on the network now. And we were talking about uh, old-fashioned radio guys, guys that, that brought coffee to people when they were an intern and worked their way up from sweeping floors and doing weekend shifts and, you know, bouncing from market to market and doing the stuff to come up through the ranks. There's not a lot of those that are at some of the more peak places in our industry right now. And I'm wondering your thoughts on what you feel like they might have missed out on. Only everything. Who's going to be doing the energetic talk shows 30 years from now? Now, is there young talent? Are there folks who are, you know, slogging away in the salt mines right now who might be, you know, 30, which I was when I got my first major market break in Washington, D.C.? I suppose there are. But the first problem is there are so many fewer jobs. Uh, the, the satellite-driven networks, and as a Salem employee, I'm a huge fan of at least one satellite-driven network. <laughs> uh, and and here at 6:60 a.m., the answer: I'm the morning show, and then we're well served. We're well served by Hugh Hewitt before me, Mike Gallagher afterward, Dennis Prager after that, Seb Gorka, you know, Officer Tatum, etc. So that's great. But ultimately, what it's meant is that in a market like Dallas-Fort Worth, where I arrived in 1994, there were probably 10 or 11 guys doing major day part shows across three or four news talk stations. Those days are gone. You ever get yeah. people, Kevin, who ask you, hey, I'm thinking about getting into talk radio. Good luck with that, because the local marketplace, the farm team, the AAA ball has largely evaporated. So, I mean, podcasts create opportunities for everybody. 
I'm not uh, in a bummer about the state of spoken word broadcasting. I think our future could be very, very bright, especially in the Salem environment where we're doing like everything. But as far as traditional radio, and I very much sound like the the boomer in my front yard shaking my fist (laughs) in a cloud. That's okay, man. I'm. I'm right there with you. Starting in a small market. I mean, I started, I was a news guy in Charleston, West Virginia, had my first talk show in Jacksonville, Florida, then Memphis, then Tampa, then Washington, and then here. Wow. That's hard to replicate now, not because I'm so special, but just because the pathway doesn't seem to be as well paid. That makes the last 30 years of you being in Dallas sound much more restful, um, which I just picture every time that move happens, it's all the boxes and all the stuff all over again. Uh, we're speaking it. with Mark Davis, who you sometimes see on uh, programs like SNC Tonight or filling in for Dennis Prager, um, uh, a number of other uh, talent across the board. Uh, and of course, every morning, almost every morning, he's with Mike Gallagher on the M&M Experience, where they kind of cross talk between Mike's uh, national show and Mark's uh, morning show uh, there in Dallas. And Dallas was a very good market to me, uh, Mark. I grew up on the west side of Fort Worth. Um, I remember listening when um, when my parents would tell me to go to bed. I remember listening to my AM radio under my covers, WBAP, uh, the great Hal Jay and others calling the play-by-play Ranger games uh, on AM820 and hearing Mickey Rivers uh, getting ready to steal a base and Nolan Ryan striking out uh, some legendary uh, batter. And the the way the spoken word brought life into my brain and allowed me to see things that I couldn't see in any other way, I never, I never gave it any thought as to whether or not I was going to work in the field. I didn't know if I would. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But man, did that impact me in terms of the power of the spoken word. And I'm I'm curious, Mark, because um, there's a lot that is going to be said this year in spoken word about the future of our country and the elections that are just in front of us. And I, I'm a faithful Gallagher, Mark Davis, Eminem experienced listener. I catch you guys almost every day. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your honest, uh, you know, uh, words, if you will? about where we're at as a country uh, and, and what this next election means to us. The first thing I want to address is there are people who will say we've never been so divided. I think maybe we have. I'm old enough at least to remember being a kid in the 60s. There was that thing called the Civil War 100 years prior to that. I think division, deep, sharp division is something we've experienced as a country before. But we've just never done it in the era of these cell phones, podcasts, social media, everybody has a platform. And by the way, that's a good thing. It's very democratic with a small d. Uh, So many people with so many opportunities to say things means there are millions of people with an opportunity to just fuss and moan and be mean to each other. It'll bring out what a society is. And what our society has always been has been some people who are good and have goodwill and have a constructive desire to engage and other people who are just jerks. It seems that all the jerks have Twitter platforms and some of them have cable news shows. So in the midst of all that, you're just going to have all kinds of anger and angst, a dominant media culture that absolutely despises conservatives. Conservatives have every right to fight back. Uh, I've always tried to be, to, to borrow a Mike Gallagher term, the happy warrior, to constructively engage with callers who disagree, elected officials who disagree, so that we can get back to that time Right now, it's like, I disagree with you, so you must be stupid or you must be evil. I want to get back to a time where I disagree with you. Let me tell you what I think. You tell me what you think, and we'll let an audience figure out who's right. 
I miss I'm, those days, and I hope they can be retrieved. He's Mark Davis. I'm Kevin McCullough. It's That Kevin Show, and we couldn't be happier than to have you come back right here to Times Square when we continue. Times Square, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us, uh, That Kevin Show. If you ever miss a single part of the broadcast, we're on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the other places. I don't even know where, where all we are, but uh, you can go go check it out, That Kevin Show. Uh, and of course, all the, the cool snazzy merch that we've got now, the coffee mugs and so forth, that's at That Kevin Store. I hope you'll check that out.com. Mark Davis is my guest, and we were just speaking, uh, Mark, before the break about the kind of unique times that we live in. And I love having fellow broadcasters on the show and kind of uh, profiling you guys because I think it it gives an audience an opportunity, especially in a day where everything's digital. If somebody in L.A. wants to listen to Mark Davis because they like something he has to say, they can do it now. They don't have to listen to KRLA. They can listen to K-Sky if they want to. And at the uh, end of the day, nobody can tell them not to, which is kind of, uh, to use your word, the small D democratic kind of cool thing about the technology age that we live in. But you you made mention of the fact that this division is not unique and that sometimes we confuse evil with just being disagreeable. But I have to ask this question, uh, and it's something that President Trump asked in his speech the night before New Hampshire when he gave the speech in Laconia. And it was actually kind of a throwaway piece of the speech. It wasn't even that significant uh, in terms of its length. But he asked a question that has rattled around in my head ever since, and he said it's something to this effect. Why is it that America where we've come to look for excellence in everything that we have the opportunity to seek excellence in, why would we ever settle for a president who takes offense at the concept of making America great? And I've, I've heard the debate of someone who disagreeing with you is just, they're not, they're not evil, they're just wrong. But I feel like that for the chief executive to not want to pull for America's greatness, to want America to be great, that that is a dereliction of duty on some level. What does Mark Davis think about that concept? The roots of the answer to that question go back all the way 40 plus years to Reagan. It is when the liberal media culture was so freaked out by him because he held bedrock conservative values, some of which involved stories as fresh as today's headlines, borders that work, being strong around the world. To the left, that is kryptonite. And they can't just say our ideas are better because they're not. So we're all racists. We all hate the planet. We all hate women. We all are terrible in various ways. And so this is the way that, that, that we approach this election in 2024, where as conservatives, Republicans are going to offer up some ideas that I think a lot of people are going to find appealing. And the only thing the Democrats are going to be able to do is to be able to say, don't listen to them. They're terrible people. They're neo-Nazis. They're racists. They want the planet to die. They want you to die. So when it all comes down to the way greatness is defined, uh, Mike and I were talking this morning that shortly after 9-11, which you know well here in New York, uh, there were anchors that didn't want to wear uh, an American flag on their lapel because they felt like it was taking sides. An American flag is taking sides? Wanting America to be great is taking sides? Well, it just so happens that the president who offered up this Make America Great agenda is a conservative 
president, and that was very bad news for the left, so he must be destroyed. Well, but you know what? It didn't start with him. If you think to even John F. Kennedy, who asked, don't tell me, don't ask me what the country can do for you. Ask me what you can do for your country. The, the concept of, of, I don't know, we expect excellence in our attorney and our school teachers and our mechanics. We want whatever they touch to make what they do great. We, we, I want my mechanic to make my engine work great. I don't want it to just get far enough down the road that I have to have it repaired two more miles. I want it to work. Um, I would think that the bare minimum that the American people, and I'm going to keep asking this question of my listeners and of others uh, between now and the election, but what do we want from our country? Do we want a country that is, strip it of the label, strip it of the left, right, strip it of the, the conservative progressive. Do you want a country that fundamentally works towards the well-being of its citizens? And that's going to include national security. That's going to include immigration. It's going to include an economy. Or do you want something that in some way makes us feel guilty for having those things that work well? And I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure that the nation even knows what they what the, I, mean, I think inherently we kind of know what we want. But I think they're afraid to, to articulate that. They are. And it's tougher uh, because we, we don't make Democrats like JFK anymore. And to use the mechanic shop that you mentioned, now the most important thing isn't who's the best mechanic. But if you take all the mechanics, are enough of them black, Hispanic or LGBTQ? When those things are the most important thing, it uh, I don't know who's going to fix your car or if it's going to be done right. Uh, the world's upside down. Things have been knocked off kilter. Conservatism is trying to bring it back. We are the ones living Dr. King's dream. We don't care about the content. We care about the content of character and not the color of skin. Yeah. Uh, that's why DEI is wrong. That's why CRT is wrong. So I think that's going to resonate in November. Hope so. Yeah. Conservatives, when we unite, can achieve magnificent things. Listen to him every weekday morning, Mark Davis, and catch him on Mike Gallagher Nationwide on the Mark and Mike uh, experience, the Eminem experience, and then uh, be watching him on Salem News Channel because uh, even though he doesn't have anything regular there yet, he is certainly a part of the family, and we love having him around. Mark, keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Kevin McCullough coming back from New York. Stay here. Stick around for more of That Kevin next. That Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough. Fountain Blue in Miami, and we're talking with, uh, over a couple of days, a few people about different uh, issues related to the question of energy. And if you've been watching or listening for any length of time, you know that I am most passionate about this, particularly as it relates to the 2024 election. I personally believe that the energy issue is the single biggest driving issue that people should be voting on in this election cycle. I'm going to be interested to get my guest perspective on this. Uh, no stranger to that Kevin show is Ed Kavalik, who's back with us as Prairie Operating Group CEO. It's good to see in person. Last time it was on the Zoom thing. And Alec Epstein, uh, Alex Epstein, who's the author of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And I want to talk to both of you about some key aspects of all things related to energy. But Ed, in your presentation this morning, you referenced the single cleanest molecule of energy produced. And you said that Prairie is doing that. How are they doing it? Well, 
uh, we're doing that by implementing best-in-class technologies, and that's what we do really well in this country. We innovate. For one, uh, we use an electric rig, so we're very low emissions. Uh, we don't truck oil or gas from location, which is also you know, a cascade effect in lowering emissions. And so through the regulatory process in this country, a lot of good has been achieved, uh, and it's forced companies like us to uh, perform at the highest possible standards. But we've gone above and beyond those standards and outperformed, which makes it ironic that uh, some in the political establishment would have us try to source incremental barrels of supply in other countries that don't practice anywhere near <laughs> the kind of discipline we do in, yeah. in producing oil. Well, okay, so there's so many problems with the current lists of policies. Um, you're making tyrants rich. You're allowing wars to start. Uh, the third world is getting poorer. Alex Epstein, you've written the book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. Um, the three things I just listed are just it's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the moral impact of what we do. But how can it be wrong for us to say, uh, let's continue to use um, the moral or the, uh, the, the supply that we know works already while we continue to do things the way Prairie is and finding those ways of doing it better, cleaner, more purely as we go forward? Because as Ed said this morning, this is an issue of addition, not transition. Well, but it depends on how you think of it. So the, the prevailing way of thinking of it, which I think is totally wrong, but is transition to net zero by 2050, right? So that's the idea of we should, there should be no new CO2 going into the atmosphere on net after 2050. And I think in practice, that means the rapid elimination of fossil fuels. So whatever is happening on the producer side, I mean, in general, yeah, you want to do things more cleanly if you can do them cost effectively, but whatever happens on the production of fossil fuels, fossil fuels will still, still emit CO2. And I don't think we can cost effectively capture carbon globally by 2050. That's really cheap. So fossil fuels are going to continue to emit CO2. So if your idea is, hey, we want to keep using fossil fuels and sort of do it better, that's one perspective. That's not the net zero perspective at all. The net zero perspective is we got to rapidly eliminate fossil fuels. That is the number one goal that all other goals should be sacrificed to. And my idea is, well, that's an anti-human goal. Uh, because you are going to destroy the world's availability of energy. Eight billion people cannot even be fed with that policy, let alone have any kind of meaningfully good life besides that. But, but it's because my priority is not rapidly eliminating CO2 at all costs, but it's advancing human flourishing. And so from that perspective, I don't think it needs to be a pr big priority to reduce CO2 emissions. I think it needs to be a big priority to get way more people energy. Yeah. Well, we've been dealing with CO2 emissions since the beginning of time. Humans have found a way to coexist. And I'm not saying that we should dump as many of them into the atmosphere as possible. But, um, Ed, um, the, the third party that's not with us in this conversation, Scott Tinker, said this weekend that there's no such thing as renewable. What did he mean? Well, there is no such thing as renewable energy. There are just different forms of energy. There are trade-offs. Uh, the things that we think of as renewable, solar and wind, uh, aren't renewable at all. I guess it's a clever marketing uh, term that's been coined, but at the end of the day, just the level of inputs that have to be invested in, in terms of human capital, resources, critical minerals to make those things, and then the obsolescence of solar and wind infrastructure. What do you do with them when uh, they're end of life? 
when you look at the full cycle of those sources of energy, the way I described, we look at the full cycle economics of an oil and gas project, they're not only completely uneconomic, they're also uh, extremely destructive to the environment, which runs counter to the narrative. Right. Um, Alex, back to the moral case for just a second. The, um, the powers that have aligned that are kind of autocrats on planet Earth, Putin, Jing, some of these other leaders, they choose fossil fuels because they're cheap and controllable, mm-hmm. and there's no issue of, of whether or not people are going to be able to have access to them. The West has pursued this policy of cemeteries for uh, solar blades <laughs> that are being buried all over our, our nation. How did we get so far off the messaging, especially when it comes to the wars that people like Putin have started, the wars that the mullahs in Iran have started, because they have been empowered by a very high cost per barrel that has allowed them to get away with basically murder? Well, it's kind of the same answer I gave before in that the the number one popular political idea in the world today is rapidly eliminate fossil fuels. Like, it's a religion. Yeah, and I was going to get to that, actually. It has that quality to it. Mm-hmm. But because it, it has this idea of, okay, I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice to this goal, like which is this superior being I'm going to sacrifice to it, and everything else is subordinate to that. And so what happens is that's a goal that doesn't make any sense because it ruins your life and because we're actually not endangered by a changing climate. We can deal with basically any climate as long as we have a lot of energy and a lot of freedom. And what happens is we've bought into this dogma, but people who live closer to nature and closer to poverty haven't. So China has 300-plus new coal plants in the pipeline designed to last 40 years each, right? So you put yourself as just this... You put yourself in this very perilous thing, and even even if you don't go net zero, which we absolutely won't do in practice, but you just cede massive amounts of security and you cause yourself massive amounts of hardship, which you've seen with Europe, but now... Biden seems to be determined to copy Europe, even even though Europe should be learning from us. I'm thankful for uh, Alex Epstein joining us today. Get the book, more case for us. And, and the new one is Fossil Future, by the way. Okay. So, and that's better. You don't even need to read the first one. <laughs> All right. Stick around for more of That Kevin. Next, That Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough. With a no drink minimum. It's that Kevin show. She says on her Instagram that in Christ there is life and that that life is light for all mankind. Here's Tyrion. I got a front row seat to the madness. I pick up my phone every morning out of habit. I've been feeling for the drama, yeah, I said it. I'm addicted to the rush, need a medic. When I take a step back, I can see it. The pain, all the fear we've been feeling, losing sight of the thing that we needed, that we needed. Honestly, I think we just need Jesus. Honestly, I think we just need Jesus. Have we all gone mad? Have we lost our minds? Were Take a good long look in the mirror, search 
She's living proof that some of the greatest things come in tiny packages. The powerhouse known as Tyrion on That Kevin Show. Hey, get the soundtrack. Search hashtag new music spotlight on Spotify or Apple Music.